People always ask how I balance my family life with 400 shows a year. I'm just doing what I love with the people I love. It's my magic life. I like Wes Isley. I like everything about him. All right. Tonight, we have a magician from the D.C. area. You may have seen him on Fool Us. You may have seen his uh, award-winning show called The Good Liar. Everybody, it's Brian Curry. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, Wes? I'm doing good, man. So award-winning show. It has won awards in the D.C. area, correct? Uh, yeah. It, it got the um, the Milburn Christopher Award, which is, uh, I mean, that's not really a D.C. award. But it uh, in D.C. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, it's a popularity test. The city paper puts out a best-of list. And the most person, the, the the only the people who get their friends to click the button, win a performing artist of the year. It is purely, it is like a high school election. It doesn't mean anything, but it looks really good on marketing. Yeah, so I won that a couple of years. I I see that every year in Vegas, dude. I mean, they do it in Vegas. Don't <laughs> poo poo it. It's yeah. good. It's awesome. Yeah. But yeah. Melbourne Christopher, that is fantastic. That's amazing. That was it's easily the the best award I've gotten. So wow. yeah. And as wow. a kid, I got some award. I mean, I was a competition kid, you know, with magic, but it's certainly not what I'm doing now. It's a totally different, different style of magic. So. Okay, so we know you. We have mutual friends. We know each other, but we don't know each other at all. We've never seen each other's show. Right. Um, is your comedy is your mentalism comedy based? Is it is it like your full lust thing, where it was just poo pooing the mentalism totally? Pretty much. I don't know. Poo-pooing is the right word. I, I tell the audience I'm going to lie to them. I lie to them. And at the end, I tell them a bunch of stuff I lied to them about. Um, For me, it, I mean, it's a whole show about Magician's Guild. Like as a kid, I always loved mentalism, but it always seemed to me you had to pretend to talk to the spirits, which always felt unethical to me. And then I tried doing the, the you know, psychology, the pseudo psychology, and that was fine. But it got to a point where sometimes people like I was doing a, a memorized deck type of thing. And um, a guy came back because I talked about mnemonics briefly in the show. And the guy comes up to me. He he left the show and he came back and he's like, hey, I've been studying mnemonics. I just didn't know you could do it that fast. And I literally the night before read an article by the award, the the, the best me card memory guy in the world. And I regurgitated. I told him a beautiful tale of how it was done. And when he left, I felt like garbage. It felt horrible. I felt, you know, I was like, I might as well be pretending to be psychic. Uh, he left dumber because of me. And uh, I was like, do I want to spend, I don't care what other guys do. I don't care if you're listening to this, if you're a mentalist and you pretend to be real, doesn't bother me at all. I just know that for me personally, it just didn't feel good. So I prefer just saying that it's all fake at the end, trying to pull the rug out, trying to get them to believe me, even though I've told them uh, I'm a liar and then, and then let them know at the end. So I have definitely went through phases in my magic career of, I remember being a teenager and grandma's necklace was a, I, I have several of them, but you borrow a ring and it ends up in the necklace pendant that's been setting on display the whole time. Do you know this trick? Absolutely. Yeah. But this is grandma's necklace. That's the pattern that came with it. And yeah. as soon as I said it, I felt my face turn blood red and just tingling all <laughs> over me. And I'm like, I'm in front of the audience why would grandma have a nice display thing for her necklace that's just a pendant it's, it looks like it was bought at Kmart for 12 <laughs> bucks why would she have this beautiful display for it no never did it live again but you know you get over the magician's guilt eventually or you are you make it part of the well, show you make a show about it make you make a whole show and yeah I mean I I'm it's not to say that sometimes I I don't do the whole show where the all the, the expose at the end but um so sometimes I still do it uh the, the pseudo psychology but I don't know. It's just a matter of what you want to do with your life. What's that? I call, I call him a professional liar. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not wrong. But it's, all, it's all for fun. It's not like it's anything awful. So it is. Yeah. That's true. Right. But there's something weird about mentalism. I mean, as a magician, which I think is what you call yourself, uh, correct? Yeah. You go by magician. Magician has within it, like the sense of being an actor. Whereas mentalist, I I have people who come to my show every show who 100% believe and they came because they want me to prove that they're right. And so in it's, they don't see me as an actor playing a magician or a mentalist. They see me as the real deal. So, uh, so anyway, that's, it's, it's a personal choice, but it doesn't, you know, I, again, 
everyone can do whatever they want. I'm not, I'm not angry. I know that you're really good friends with Penn. Penn would not be okay with anyone doing it. Uh, for well, me, I, just, I was wondering, that's why I was wondering. And I said, poo poo with all love. I mean, you were just yeah. saying, I'm, I don't have real powers. This is just silly. It's just fun. Right. It's good. You're not playing it up, but yeah. I didn't know if you were doing that for Penn and them for being such skeptics. That's what, that's no. what no, I wasn't for them. It was from, but to say that, I mean, I was shaped by them, of course, just like all of us were. Um, I mean, you're friends with Penn and Teller. To me, Penn and Teller are the U2 of magic. You know, when I was a kid, first with Copperfield, right? That was, I was like a tiny, I was a kid. I remember having dreams about what if I could fly, right? That was amazing. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden Penn and Teller and they, they had an opinion. They're, they figured out how to like communicate through their art, through magic as an art form to say things that were important to them. And they're the first people I, I knew or that, that I felt like did, that did that. And to me, that was amazing. That was the, I thought they were the best. And so I'm sure my opinions on, on that, uh, this, all this stuff was, was inspired by them. But, Dude, uh, think about it. I mean, people that don't know our time frame that coming up. Mm -hmm. uh copperfield the reason he became for our age range he was had a television special every single year that was the best magic you could imagine yep but then penn and teller in our teenage years and our preteen teenage years mm -hmm. were producing millions of cockroaches on jay leno's desk mm -hmm. yep. they were they were stabbing <laughs> a hand and blood was going everywhere dude they were the bad boys of magic they're the cool mm -hmm. ones yep. yeah absolutely yeah. they were that the best so if I was an agent hiring Brian to do a show for me, can I get you to do close-up magic? Can I get you to do yeah. a different kind of show? Do you yeah, also yeah, I, do, do I, I still do magic shows. Um, I, I was looking at your, I mean, I read your bio, so I know everything about you pretty much now. Uh, okay. But I also, I see you do school shows. I, I, for most of my career, I was a school show magician. Okay. Uh, not exclusively, but, but mostly is where, is where I made my living for well over a decade. Um, and in, all the way up until the pandemic, I was doing over a hundred schools a year. That was, a, I don't know about you, but my, my numbers have gone way down. I don't think as many schools want to put a bunch of sick kids in a room together the way that they used to. But, uh, so no, I will do mentalism. I do magic. I do school shows. Um, yeah. those, are, those are the big three though. We just, we don't care. You pay us. We're there. We yeah. really, not <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so, uh, you, so you do four, I'm sorry. You said 300 shows a year. On your website? Around 400 shows a year. 400 shows a year. That's bonkers. Yeah, well, yeah. But you you know, if, if there's shows that are close together, you can get a solid five shows in in a day. Sure. Um, smaller shows. Where? Are uh, these like festivals? Or are they, where do you do five shows? I mean, it could just be, you know, you go from a company party to a birthday party to a family get together to a something else. If they're all kind of close in the vicinity, it's easy because mm -hmm. we got yeah. our packing and unpacking down. Yeah. Um, but or now, a winery at nighttime. Right. But if it's like a, a, a large illusion show, the hour and a half, you know, show that that's usually that takes the day. It's the whole day. So, yeah. yeah. yeah we so might get a matinee in the evening, but that's it. Yeah. If we're in the same place, we could do technically we do two illusion shows in one day, but we can't go illusion show here and drive somewhere and do another one um but yeah we can do several in a day so we still get like you know christmas off but yeah and summer is extremely busy because you have the fairs you have the company parties you have the family reunions you have all the outdoor festivals you have all the yeah it, uh, lots of activities in the summer that want entertainment so we do a lot during the summer summer is usually average 183 shows june to august that was the average like five years in a row so i just spit that number out now 183 during the summer yeah but you have to have to sit down and count them but yeah 400 i apparently am terrible at marketing that's amazing good for you guys yeah. so that's what i have a degree in i have a degree <laughs> yeah. in marketing okay uh, i wanted to do movie magic like uh my dad had a video store growing up so i loved horror movies and I didn't think I could do magic for a living, but I could do movie magic, setting, doing art and sculpture and making these gory Penn and Teller with the blood and the roaches. That's awesome. And then uh, Terminator came out and I'm like, well, that's out the window. It's going to be all CGI set behind a desk 20 hours a day. I don't want that. So I moved to magic magic. Now what? I don't know anybody to emulate. I don't know any. I, I can't be Penn and Teller. I can't be Copperfield right away. Mm -hmm. How do you move up that thing? I'm going to start promoting myself. Well, I can't afford somebody. I'll just do it myself. But Natalie, I was reading your bio before this. Natalie doesn't know that you guys went to the same college. Did you so go to JMU? You're a Duke dog. I didn't know that. Yes. Go Dukes. 
Joe. That's Joe. awesome. Hey, we finally have a good football team. Yeah, I, no, I, I only had to be graduated for you know a long time. <laughs> yeah, they did good the year I graduated in 2006. They did good. I think I it was that year or the year after. I'm not yeah, sure. Six, I, so I graduated in 03. I'm only a couple of years before you there, but uh, even though my hair would suggest otherwise, I uh, but I think that was the year that we beat Tech. Okay. And that was the greatest. I called every friend from high school that went to tech. It yeah. was the most wonderful afternoon. Just like, I didn't hear. How did the game go? How much did you beat? <laughs> what? what? You mean we won? It was the best. That was such a good year. That's but awesome. uh, yeah, go Duke Dogs. I'm a big fan. Yeah. All right. So she has a religion degree and she's right. like, what do I do with that? Uh, I'm going to work in a church basement. Can I come work for you? So she's yeah. awesome. Oh, thanks. So what did you, uh, what did you get a degree in? Uh, theater. I well, I ended up as theater. I I came in with psychology, and then I moved to business, um, and then that was too hard. Um, and then I did nonverbal communications, uh, thinking, you know. But then I just I was spent all my time in the theater building, so I ended up being a theater man. I was capital T terrible at acting, and I knew that I needed to be better. Uh, going in, I I always wanted to be a professional magician, and I could do close up magic. I did. I've done close up magic my whole life. But I knew that if I were going to make a living, I had to figure out how to be on stage. And so I, even though I sucked at it, um, JMU, as you know, has a, a, at least when I was there, it was like 65, 35 uh, female to male ratio. And, and as a theater major, it's far less than that. So to, you didn't have to be a good actor to get in place is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. They they were so desperate for guy, uh, male actors um, that I, I was in a lot of plays and I got, I got some flight time there, which was the best. Nice. Did you ever do plays in college? No, I did not. She did plays all through high school, directed them and everything, but you never did. No, because I was thinking, I mean, I went in as a biology major and then I switched to nursing. And then I, I was like you, I switched out. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was trying out everything. And then I just landed on religion because I was like, well, that's interesting. Gotta get a degree at some point. So <laughs> I'll do that. And then I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So got a job with him. There you go. <laughs> Problem solved. So, yeah, worked out great. At least you're doing a little bit something with yours. So oh, yeah. Good. No, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't have made a living without Jamie. I the theater the stuff that I learned was was uh, was essential. Um, but religion, I mean, that comes up all the time. I bet you're the best conversationalist. So you could talk about anything. You could talk about religion without offending people, maybe. Well, I don't I don't know. That's a hard one to talk to people about without somebody getting offended. I won't get offended, but you know. She was working, I was doing restaurants in Harrisonburg while you were going to college. Yeah. I was doing the IHOP out there. I was doing the uh O'Neill's Grill. Did you really? you had to have seen my name on O'Neill's Grill billboard out there? Never. I never they, I never knew there was a performing magic. I would have gone to see you a million percent. I, I worked there for 15 years and it was Wes Isley on kids night, Monday nights. And it was on the billboard. I was like, yes, that's free advertisement. I love it. And he was there college night at IHOP. Cause I was waitress at IHOP. That's how we met. Oh, that's he was awesome. College night. And he was there kids night, but I worked the college night. I think the college kids love close up magic, you know? Yeah. So, yep. And they got like 25 cent pancakes, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a sucky night for tips, but you know, whatever <laughs> you, you got to meet him. So it was all worth it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was for purpose. So let's go back to your beginning. Beginning. What was the first trick you ever learned? How'd you get started? Let's do that. Uh, I think as a young kid, I I and I still have it in my bookcase somewhere. Is uh, I read Scarn on Cards, but I read it more aspirationally than I did as a actual magic book. I couldn't. I w I wasn't ready to do anything out of that book. Um, and then I I came back to. I lived overseas. I grew up overseas in countries where they didn't speak English. And so I came back to America as an introverted, awkward um, sixth grader, middle schooler, basically. And uh, oh, is that military? Yeah, well, I've been uh, IBM. So I've been moved every four years. We'd move like a military kid. So oh, wow. uh, and so I was just really, you know, kind of introverted. And, and uh, my a family friend taught me uh, Gypsy Thread um, and he taught taught it to me. Well, didn't teach me, you know, not the not the normal garbage trick that you learn. And I had some friends, they were having a birthday party with my neighbor, Jonathan, behind the, who lived behind me. And I showed them the trick and they were all talking about it. How the hell do you do it? That was amazing. Blah, blah. I immediately showed them how it was done, which was a mistake. Uh, and then I went home. I was like, mom, I got to get a book. I got to learn more of these. That was amazing. And then about four months later, I got my first gig at a place called Cox Farms down in Centerville, which is where I, I lived. 
and they uh they might i knew someone at my school who who whose parents owned it and uh aaron was like hey we're gonna pay someone minimum wage to do walk around magic do you want to do it and i figured out exactly how many dollars i would make in october and i went to denny's i spent all of that before i even got my first gig and i did i'm sure what was terrible terrible walk around magic for them for minimum wage so i i, I mean they can't complain but uh <laughs> wow wow good experience though and how how old were you going on cards when i when i started with with what scarred on cards i i had to have been like 10 i was i i read through it but i didn't actually try it i just i, I kept it for some reason because i thought it was so interesting that people could do that i remember his story about cutting the aces and then cutting them again. And I remember just being amazed by that, but that was, it was arms. And and at the time, all I knew was Copperfield. Right. And, and so it didn't occur to me that was something that you could actually learn. And, uh, and then about 13, 14 is when I learned that gypsy thread. And that's really when I got started. I think I got spun on cards when I was like 20, 21. I yeah. still haven't read it. It's just, it puts me to sleep. <laughs> Very dry. Yeah. yeah. I, I read through it. I made through it, uh, but I, I haven't read it since. So yeah. Yeah. Um, some books are, yeah, some books are easier to read than others. <laughs> so uh, who who is your inspirations besides Copperfield? Do you have mentalism inspirations, uh, people you look I mean, up to? Everyone, everyone who does mentalism these days is is uh, derivative of uh, Darren Brown, of course. Um, there's a lot of guys. I mean, I grew up watching John Stetson do amazing, just the funniest shows. He's so good. Um, Spinato always talks about our friend Jim Spinato that we just yeah. got back up in um Connecticut at the Mohican Sun. He gets stats in there a few times a year and just raves about him. I've never seen his act. He's so good. He's he's funny. He's amazing. He's everything you want a mentalist to be. I think John is just so talented. Um, I mean, for me, my uh, the, the guys that I looked up to, my, Denny, obviously, I'm a Denny's kid. I went up to Denny. My, my, uh, I would, I would uh, my parents would drive, my mom would drive me up every Sunday. We'd go up. I took a lesson from this guy named Peter Galinskis, who I'm sure you've never heard of. He was a um, he was a card man. He was a, the protege of uh, Frank Thompson, who was a kind of like an underground card guy. And Peter would sit in the the corner of the room of Denny's, the, the original Denny, and both Denny's, but in the corner of that smoky room. And we'd sit there, and I'd work on a movie, and he'd take a pen and whack my fingers like a piano teacher, like I could see your piggy move. Do, do your double lift again. Um, and he he was very restrictive. He, you know, we started with uh, Royal Road, Expert Card Technique, uh, and down, down the, down the, the line. But it bothered Denny to no end because he would be, I would be like, yeah, I want to go get this John Bannon book. He goes, you cannot have that John. You're going to finish this book, damn it. And Denny's in the background going, why the hell do I let you do this? And yeah, I'm, you're just killing me. But um, so yeah, he definitely uh, he taught me how to rehearse, which is something I. And also, I think in today's world, it's kind of refreshing not being able to get stuff makes you work for it. Whereas now everything is a click away. You know, there was that sense of a uh, mystery that you had when you couldn't Google something and find it out right away. There's a trick uh, called, will the cards match? And you rip them up. Uh, you probably know the trick. You rip them up and this group here, you can do a shuffle. This group here, you do a shuffle, yeah. but it's count these. And then you reverse count these. Yeah. And I understand a reverse count, just reading it from a book. Yeah. And I literally worked on it for eight hours. And three times out of 80, it worked. And that's what kept me going at it. But yeah. I was just, I wasn't understanding reverse count. I don't want to reveal the secret to everybody, but it totally makes sense why I didn't get it. But I'll <laughs> never forget it. Where if I was just taught that on a YouTube channel, it would just be another trick that went in one ear and out the other. And I, but I still, to this day, will perform that. At the end of the night, I'm, I'm bottom right. barrel. And some kids follow me around. All right, let's rip up some cards, dude. Let's do this. Yeah. So I'll never forget it. You got to work for it, man. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, everything I care about, it was hard. Uh, parenting, I mean, having kids. Oh my God, hardest thing in the world. But uh, that's, uh, yeah. And I think magic is true. It's the same thing. And I I feel bad for the people who get it, get into it now and can just learn everything. It's too easy to get frustrated on what you're working on and move on to the next thing rather than just having to plow through it. But. Well, I think it's playing guitar, playing an instrument, doing anything. You have all that music right there. Okay, go. Well, how do you play a G chord? Well, here's 9,000 videos on how to do that. Yeah. Well, whose video do you watch? Whose video do you follow? What 13-year-old do you want to teach you holding the chord kind of wrong? Right. Same magic. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. 
I learned a really cool thing from Bob Sheets. Uh, Bob Sheets, you were asking who my heroes were. Bob Sheets is one of those guys. He, I've, there are very few people I've learned more from than uh, than Bob. Do you know Bob Sheets? I I know Bob, but I don't know if Bob knows me. We've met several okay. times, but you know, Bob's so funny. He's just yeah. He, he's just he's wonderful. But what he said is, when you learn something, I mean, you have to learn it first. But then, ten times every morning when you wake up, ten times before you go to bed, because you want to pick up. Let's say it's a card trick. You want to pick up the deck cold. Because when you're performing, you don't get to go practice, practice, practice. Here, pick a card. Um, and you can learn most. I'm not going to say every because there's certain moves that take longer than that. But you can learn most things in a week, 10 times in the morning, 10 times at night, if you just plow through it. Um, and that that to me, I try to get my kids to do that when they're my daughter wanted to learn to play Happy Birthday on the guitar. So within a week, she had it. So I think it's a cool lesson and and uh, is a great way to rehearse. Well, there's something that they said, like 10 minutes a day is all you need and you'll be in the top 1% within a month. Mm -hmm. If you just spend 10 minutes a day doing something, you'll be in the top 1% of everyone oh. doing that thing. But there's so many things to choose from. I want to juggle. I want to do magic. I want to do this. I want to work out. I want to do that. But <laughs> you just spend 10 minutes a day doing something, you'll be in the top 10% of the world in that subject. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah. Anyways. So what, what do you do mostly families? Do you do mostly adults? Do you do what is your what is your audience? Everybody. It is it every week is a different thing. Yeah. I mean But it's a it's a family friendly show. So we say, you know, little kids to grandmas and grandpas will enjoy it, you know. So we like the range. We yeah. never never know what's coming up next. Um and with me, it's a mental thing and I don't it's probably got a name for it. But if she tells me we have 17 shows this week, I go into a shell. I get tired. I try to save energy. I don't know why. <laughs> but it just says, hey, we're going to Northern Virginia tomorrow morning. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. After this show, we have to go to another one. Okay. Because I'm still, and then we got to go to another one. I'm going to do it. So she's your handler. That's she, great. It's overwhelmed, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It just wears me out. It wears me out. Mm -hmm. But um, we love the theaters. Theaters are our favorite. Yes. But um, the idea of working the same theater all the time. I don't like being, I don't want to be behind that computer 80 hours a week. The mm -hmm. same Peter all the time, I think, would drive me crazy. Yeah. Natalie's going to I give think, it a shot. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would be a blessing because it might be the same theater, maybe a different audience. Right. So it would be a different right. show. Yeah. Even if you do the same thing, it's a different show because you have different people and different reactions. But I love being on the road and seeing the world and traveling and every day being an adventure. Yeah. That's yeah. what's cool about this as well. So, yeah. Both worlds. Before the big pandemic, um, I did uh, some cruise work uh, with uh, Rich Block has a thing for Magic Castle at at sea. And I'm sorry, um, uh, they changed the name of it. Crystal Magic, Crystal Magic at sea, whatever it is. Some, something at sea on uh, Crystal Cruise Line. So we got to travel. We went to all seven continents and it was oh, nice. the best. It was wonderful. I'm so glad we did that before we had kids. Wow. Everything because we couldn't do it now. You know, it'd be too hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. my show in DC, the night, now you were saying you like the travel thing. I like the fact that when they tell me what room I'm in, I know exactly how many cords I need to bring for the you know, extension cords. And I don't need, there's no schmoozing necessary. No, I don't even see anybody. Like as I walk by the, the guy, I go, Hey, can you refresh the drinks at this time? Yeah, sure. And then that's it. And I, you know, the fact that it's just become, the load in and load out is so much easier than it would be at an at a place where I don't know because you go somewhere and you're like oh there's no lights here or the sound is terrible or the, the none of these power cords work so we need to run a line down to the kitchen, um, so I kind of like the stability of not having to think of that, but nice I I do see it <laughs> I see it I see yeah. it but I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the ride I don't I don't care if we end up doing a, a theater show somewhere and get locked in I'm just gonna enjoy the ride you know sure. like. Or just enjoy it, dude. Absolutely. So how many theaters did you call on before getting the okay for this one? So my theater, I'm working in hotels. I'm four walling it. So right. I've been to, so I, this is my second public show. I also have a show uh, that I, that I wrote called the magic duel, um, which I did with Mark Phillips for about five years and it did really well. So with that show, we had two different venues. One was like a, a row house near um, Adams Morgan in DC that, had, you know, had an event space that was never booked. And so we, we did that for a while. It was a very small space, but it went really well. And then we moved on to the Mayflower, which is a, you know, big fancy hotel downtown DC. 
And then I ended up uh, selling that show to Mark and doing my show at the Capitol Hilton, which is across the street. Uh, it's a block away from the White House, which is really nice. It's, it's good, you know, good location. And I also perform at the uh, Hotel Washington. Um, I did. I went to a handful of venues. I didn't need as many as, as you'd think. Um, what we've done, uh, what we did with the Mayflower and with Capitol Hilton, at least, and at the Hotel Washington, is we. I've targeted places that have multiple ballrooms. And so, because the problem is, if it's a small venue and they book you at a discounted price, they'll be very angry when they lose money because someone else calls. However, with me, I tell them, I'll go to any ballroom you've got. I do. I just need to know the day before, so I know which lights to bring. You tell me which. You know. So if somebody wants ballroom A, good. Sell them ballroom A. Send me to B, C, or D. I'm. I don't want to lose them any money. And uh, and also for that reason, I don't get the room more than about three or four months in advance. So I can't. Which is a shame. I would love to say here's my summer schedule, but that way they can still book. So sometimes people come in and book the whole hotel and they make a small fortune. Um, and I don't have a room, so I don't get to do my show that weekend or at that hotel, at least. I'm trying to wrap my head around selling tickets. If you don't know ahead of time, I know three months ahead of time, three but, months. Okay. okay. Yeah. So that's, I mean, how most people that's don't enough. buy tickets, uh, unless, unless you're famous, unless you're Penn and Teller, I don't think people usually buy tickets. Right. That right. At least they don't for me. Yeah. But, no, that's great. Three months is fine. I thought it was, I don't, I thought it was closer than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. It's, it's going really well. It's it's a grind, you know. Yeah. I would say I wish I had a you to do that work grind, you know, that all that work for me. But, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of work, and it's not as it's not as financially rewarding as corporate gigs, but is by by far my favorite thing to do. Um, that's what matters. What's that? That's what matters that you're enjoying it. it. I think yeah. so. I mean, it's it's my first show that I did with the the Mar the, the the Magic Duel. It was it was supremely political. Right. And at the time I was into political comedy. I, I loved all these TV shows that were snarky comedy, political stuff. And I knew I could never do that at a corporate gig. I just couldn't. And I wouldn't because they're not paying for my opinion. I mean, unless you're Penn and Teller famous, they, people don't really care what you think. But at the time, I just wanted to see if I could do it. And so we put together the show and it turns out in D.C. Having an opinion is better than not having an opinion. And when you have your own theater show, they're coming to see what you want to say. You can say whatever the hell you want. You could talk about religion if you wanted to, or, or politics, or, uh, or or anything, truthfully, because they came to see what you have to say, which is really neat, which I wow. wouldn't do a public gig, you know? Yeah. No, I, I would be scared to death. I don't want to say my political beliefs. I don't want to say my religion beliefs on, in a theater show if they're buying tickets. I'm just scared. I don't want to offend anyone. And as yeah. an entertainer, you don't want to offend anyone, but also you're not taking that risk. I'm not taking that risk. There's well, no reward. Well, we've always we've always said, you know, they didn't come here to hear our opinion. They came here to get out of their lives for 45 minutes, hour and a half, however long the show is, to forget about their issues, forget about whatever, and just be entertained. So that's that's what we do. But I mean, we're not in DC either. But if you're doing your Very own often. show, it would be fun to really get get out. And, you know, I've I've gotten. Here's me being wacky. Oh, Time travel or going down YouTube rabbit holes and just going to another, like just just being, but that's not that that's not gonna offend anyone, you right. know? Yeah. yeah. That's fine. Yeah. And I if you if politics or, or or religion are I don't talk about religion, for example. I wouldn't touch that with a five foot pole. But right. if it's not your thing, then you shouldn't do it. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's a, it's it's whatever right. matters to you. But I I always look at Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller are very outspoken and they irritate a lot of people um uh bob fitch worked with this guy named ed bordeaux and i hope i'm not misquoting him here i think the expression was love me or hate me just don't call me cute and mm -hmm. i've heard uh more recently i was reading uh, harrison greenbaum's book where he talks about and he said something very similar it's like, you know be caviar not everyone loves caviar but the people who do love caviar they love caviar They'll go across the city to get, they'll pay extra to get caviar. Uh, no, not caviar, sushi. I'm sorry, be sushi is what he said, not caviar. So people who love sushi will go to great lengths to get good sushi. And if the people don't like sushi, that's okay. You know, that's not, yeah. that's not have to be. So, and I think that's more true in a public show than it is 
uh, a corporate event. Again, I, I wouldn't, for me, I just don't get well, corporate gigs. I just go, you know, I try to be funny, make them laugh, do some amazing stuff and go home. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. So let's, let's change the subject real quick. How about uh, Steve Martin, uh, the, the whole special area for Steve Martin show. I'm just scrolling um, through. I've heard of this pre meeting you pre and I don't know how I know about it or where I found out about it, yeah. but he saves a spot in his show, every show for Steve Martin. It's got a picture of him, a plaque, maybe even a candle lit for Steve Martin. Ah. It's a, it's a plunger with a, a, a cut out of his face and his name reserved for So that started um, when I first started the show, I thought it would be fun to invite a, like a DC celebrity. And I was going through like politicians at the time. And there was this new upstart politician that I didn't know anything about. No, but she had just given this really empowered speech that every that was very viral. And I'm like, she's young. She used to be a bartender. She would come and AOC. I had no idea that she was going to be a lightning rod. Uh, I And I wouldn't have picked her for that reason, honestly. But so for about two or three years, I invited her to every show. Uh, reserve for AOC and I tag her afterwards with people sad that she didn't make it um, I ended up stopping using her because I heard her uh, on an interview talk about how she gets like death threats every day she can't even walk her own dog and I was like you know what she doesn't know that I'm not that I'm harmless that this is not right right yeah. or she knows I'm like I'm trying to troll her to get her out for and so I was like ah, okay so I, I switched it to Steve Martin and I did him for a year and oh the best thing Teller came to my show uh, once and at the beginning of the show, I took the picture with Teller looking sad. And Teller goes, that's really funny. Can you text that to me? I want to send that to Steve. Like, oh, my God. All I was having every emotion in the world. I was like, oh, God. So he texted Steve or he emailed Steve before the show. And after the show, he showed me the email that Steve sent him back, which was like, that's hilarious. I should really show up someday, but I never will. Which is uh, <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, so I did it with Steve. And then uh, if, if you if you look more recently, I'm, my goal is now to switch it every year. So I had this very sad, Steve didn't come to the last show in December. And my new target this now is uh, is uh, Jason Sudeikis, uh, Ted Lasso, you know. So is oh, there okay. is there a routine involved or is that just a bit in the corner? It's, it's a bit in the corner and people love it. People will come, uh, not every show, but often enough, they'll be like, hey, can I take a picture with Steve? Like they want to be, they, they, people seem to like the stupid joke. But you don't mention it during the show or anything? Don't, I probably should. I, but it's sitting there. And as people right. walk in, they usually do a double take, especially with Steve Martin. They'd be walking. Is Steve actually coming tonight? Yeah, no, no, no. And then I explain it. Oh, that's really too bad. Cause I would love to meet him. Yeah, me too. And then we take the photo and, and, uh, you know, and then they usually, yeah, it, it's done very, I, it's the dumbest marketing idea I've ever had, but it is the one that has been the most successful um, in terms of people liking it. So another thing, I want to tell you the other side of the story. Uh, Penn and Teller invited us to their show in uh, the MGM up in, up in Maryland. And we're sitting there and this other couple of guys, two dudes sat beside us. They're not a couple, but it's a couple of dudes. Yeah, And they were magicians and they knew you. They were really good friends with you. And maybe one of them got the call for Teller to come see your show. You know the two guys I'm talking about? Yeah, it was uh, Timothy. Uh, Timothy and I, I'm guessing Jeff Eline. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember who came with them. But that, Timothy Carver is definitely the guy who, he's he's the one who's friends with Teller. And when Teller flew in, he goes, hey, you should come see my buddy Brian's show. And, okay, yes. Uh, he got so they were, they were just, Teller came to see his show tonight. You got it. It's great. And that, they were just, over the moon talking about how great this was and then it was either you or one of the other guys from ring 50 talking about how you got freaked out that teller was going to be there and how you changed the show was that you telling me that that was me oh yeah that was me yeah, i totally get it i totally get it I oh yeah, so when i got the so when he timothy sent me that text early in the day and i'm like oh that's not going to happen and then he texted me back he goes oh he's not going to come he's really tired he's going to go see oppenheimer and go to bed early tonight I go, great. I don't have to worry about it. So an hour before the show starts, I get, so tell, so Timothy got the text. He was on the subway, you know, on the subway, you don't get good reception, but every once in a while you get like a burst. So we got a burst at one point. It was Teller going, I changed my mind. Glenn and I are coming to the show. And so he's trying to text me, but he can't because he was on the Metro. So every time the door would open, he'd stand out trying to find like hitting send, send, send. 
So finally, about an hour before the show started, people are already trickling and it was a very busy. Teller came on the busiest show I've had since the pandemic. It was just pure luck. Um, and so I had, a, I had people already coming in and I get the text. He's coming. He's going to be there in 30 minutes. And I went, oh my God, I have two new routines that I was going to work on tonight. And I'm not doing new routines. I'm just not, that's not going to happen. So I went, I took a bunch of stuff off the stage. I changed my music order. I put the stuff that I'd done a hundred times, you know, a million times in the show that I didn't have to, to, and I could not. So Teller gets there and Teller and Glenn are so nice and so like down to earth. And we're walking up and I said, he says, where do you want me to sit? I go, wherever you want. I get some tables because in, in the back behind our, our theater seating, we've got these little cocktail tables with, with candles and stuff for, couples that usually will sit there and I said if you want some more privacy you can sit back there and I'm because I'm thinking he's a celebrity he may not want to be in the middle and he goes well where do you want me I said I want you to enjoy the show because I think I'd enjoy it closer up and he sits dead front and I cannot look at him in the show I like I'm talking I go up and over because I just can't <laughs> I can't handle it it's too much and um I, I'm just hoping that he's because if he's not enjoying the show I'm gonna the show's gonna get worse like for sure. Like I said, so that's not gonna, I'm not going to process that well in the moment. So, um, and he was great. He, he seemed to really like the show. He said the nicest things after the show, he goes, uh, yeah, what's your Twitter handle? And he texted me. He's like, Hey, I just posted something. If you want me to make any edits, let me know. Like, how nice. They I, I, I wanted to say to him, can you add, I'm seriously considering having a different partner, but I figured I wouldn't push it, you know, just <laughs> let him say nice things. That's but awesome. He couldn't you have know, been nice. Ben's so gruff and, you know, Teller doesn't get a chance to talk. People have an opinion that they must be something that they're not. They are the best guys, man. Right. They are just so down to earth. So amazing. Yeah. My, my limited interaction with Penn, he, he was so kind to me and so nice and gentle just as a, just a person. Uh, not at all kind of what I, he's also, uh, you know, imposing, you know, I mean, he's tall really tall Pen teller's not short i always assumed teller was short teller's like, taller than i am yeah teller's a tall tall teller's a normal height and pen is just a giant so um yeah pen was nice to me what and then the getting to hang out with teller after the show for he probably stuck around for 30 40 minutes and we we uh he liked the skeptical angle of the show obviously um it wasn't written for him but it might as well have been you know it's right down yeah. there um so it that was one of my that was probably my favorite show of all time is that's, that's him there the emotional roller coaster and at the end i'm standing by the door shaking hands as people are leaving and in my head i go i know he's tired i know he flew in this morning he might just go home and and i'm just gonna thank my lucky stars he came but if he really liked the show he'll stick around and so i'm, I'm out there like oh, no teller no teller no teller no teller and he's stuck in there and of course the magicians who were there in the room stuck in there too and we hung out for a little while and it was great so that's wow. Awesome. Can all of you guys leave? I want to hang out with Teller myself. Yeah, <laughs> I was okay. I, you know what? I wasn't going to complain. I was just, yeah. it was fun. It was great. No, it's awesome. It's, you just want more. You just want, it's, it's that kid in you. It's. Yeah. Well, Teller's not allowed to my show anymore. He, he really liked it and I'm happy with that. Let's just leave it there. He, I don't want to change his mind. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's banned from my show. <laughs> <laughs> so his name won't be on that plaque. No, up. no. He, their name obviously would. I would love to if I had any thought that they would ever come to my show, which I never. I think I'm more likely to have Steve Martin. Steve Martin goes to the Magic Castle. I know he went to Aussie show. Like he goes to Magic show. So there was a non-zero percent chance that he would come. Right. And Jason Sudeikis also is a, ma a magician. Non-zero percent chance he shows up. He was on a David Blaine special. He was. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's a Magic fan. He's he's he goes to all the shows. He went to Mario's show, which is with his family, which is awesome. So uh, we'll see. I, I doubt he's going to come, but it doesn't really matter if they don't come. That's also fine. It's mostly fun to just chase after them. But uh, so tell everybody what's uh, so the Good Liar is at a couple hotels now. It's it too, but mostly it's at the Capitol Hilton, uh, and if it's not at the Capitol Hilton, it's at the um, the Hotel Washington, the W. Uh, they're both within a block of the White House on either side. So and that's BrianCurryMagic.com. They can get tickets for those. Uh, a, AGoodLiar.com. AGoodLiar.com. I need to yeah. know that. <laughs> so what, is the, what is the audience size? What is the difference if they say, hey, Ballroom D today, is there a difference? Um, and how do you sell that three months out? So it's it's tough. 
so truthfully, a lot of my tickets sell in the last two to three weeks. So I'm not too worried about it until about two or three weeks. And then I say, what room do you think I'm going to be in? And that rarely changes. Now, I'd say last year, maybe twice, the Capitol Hill put me in a in their largest meeting rooms rather than the ballroom, which means I can comfortably sell 60, 70 seats without it being awkward. I mean, in terms of visibility, the ballrooms, um, I've sold 120, 130 is the most I've gotten in there. Um, I'm happy around 70, 80 is a really good, everyone can see. It doesn't feel, you know, the chairs aren't right next to each other. You've got a little bit of breathing room. I can, I can, I can fill the room nicely. That's a great spot for me. And in January and February, which is my busy season, um, I do five and eight o'clock shows, which is great, you know, because the, the pain is the setup and the the breakdown. You're, you're busier in January, February. What's the deal with that? Um, uh, this is only true in D.C. I, I, I don't want people in different areas uh, taking this advice and, and being wrong. But in D.C., at least, uh, people want to get out of the house. They're probably they're tired of being indoors over Christmas. Also, people buy a lot of tickets over the holidays as gifts. Um, yeah. A week or two before Christmas, it's a pretty steady stream of of uh, ticket sales. So, um, I think for those reasons, I don't have any science to back up the second, the the first thing. But um, I know that every year, my January, February are my best, and then my uh, slow season is in summer. Like when you talk about all the shows in the summer, that's I. So I've I've not tapped into the tourism market the way that I would like to. Uh, the problem with selling a show in D.C. is that I'm not competing against other magic shows. I'm competing against the White House. I'm competing against Ford's Theater. I'm competing, you know, people, when they're talking about things to do in D.C., I'm not going to come on the first 10 pages on on Google. But you can't. But like vacation, I like to go to the beach. I like to hang out, go to dinner, and then I want to see a show. Yep. You go to the museums, you go to the White, you go to all that, but now it's time to see a show. Come see us. I, I agree, to... and I haven't figured out how to get the word out on that. Um, Do you have a publicist? No, no, I really should. I need uh, to get you in talk, touch with my publicist to you figure out some stuff. I'm not even kidding, just to yeah. get art written and to get um, to get more word of mouth out about it and to get you on those tourism websites. I mean, yeah. that would, that's what you need. Yeah, right? Well, you're absolutely. I'm sure you're right, and I would love to, to take any advice uh, your you or your your person has. Um, I do a thing called the Festival of Magic every year, uh, which it's called the the fest the DC Festival of Magic. Okay. Um, and I promise this is relevant to what we're talking about. But uh, basically, the, over the the pandemic, the Hilton Capitol Hilton called me, and they're like, "Hey, we're struggling. This this one weekend, Labor Day weekend, is always our slowest weekend. If we gave you free rooms for the weekend, how could we get people in the hotel?" And so I, I said, they said, maybe you do a magic show with some of your friends. I'm like, eh, but then they only come once. So I do a whole weekend of five different performances. Um, guys come and do their whole hour long show and it's become quite successful. And every year, like last year, last, this past summer, we had Stephen Bargazzi, who was just bonkers. I don't know if you know, Stephen, one of the funniest humans I've ever seen. Um, the year before we had Bob Sheets and uh, you know, we've had a lot of great guys and we've got some great guys coming up this summer. But anyway, the reason I bring this up is because they're, the Hilton team, the PR team gets involved for that. And all of a sudden I'm on every list. Like people are like, yeah, it was on the elevator in my at my condo building, things to do over Labor Day weekend. And you were right there, you were number four. I was like, I don't, I don't understand how the Hilton does it. But I think when when Brian Curry, who's nobody, puts out a press release, people don't really open it. Whereas if Capitol Hilton does it, it comes with a certain gravitas. You know what I mean? Yeah, but if Brian Curry's publicist put out a press release, they open You're it. Absolutely right. I, I'm. I, this is. I will admit, this is one of my areas of weakness. Is is PR? I mean, he's got a publicist. He must be somebody. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, seriously, that's that's yeah. what they think. But it's funny that, you know, you really took me aback when you said January, February was busy for you because uh, Piff the Magic Dragon goes on tour during February. Vegas is closed around Valentine's Day. It's yeah. just, there's nothing dead? to do. It's oh, dead. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's it's it just depends on where you are, you know. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've listened to all these great podcasts of people who are on the beach who do their show and the techniques that they use to book and they're all, and I'm sure what they're telling, it works for them. 
it doesn't it hasn't worked in dc i remember mark and i used to drive around with like bags of chocolates and things to like go to all the concierges and give them the updated list of upcoming shows and we gave them special codes so we could track it and i think we sold maybe four tickets ever and we would just spend hours and hours and hours of schmoozing and networking and it the, you know, when people go, what do you want to do? You know, hey, what's there to do in D.C.? They go, OK, well, have you seen the White House? Have you seen the monument? I mean, they they don't usually think, you know, the magic show. So I know uh, people that have their own theaters, they they invite the waiters and waitresses from their favorite restaurants, you know, so if they're going to go to that town, they do that. And then that's probably the beach people you're talking about that that do stuff like that. So that they're talking about it during dinner. Yeah. I absolutely give away free tickets uh, f freely. You know, I they, if if I ever meet anyone who th I think might maybe hire me, if I can ever get them to the show, I usually book the gig, right? And and if they don't book the gig, that's fine. I you know I had some seat fillers, which is also fine. But uh, yeah. yeah, I've just been lucky. So my mark my whole marketing thing for the for and I've told this to other guys, but nobody nobody seems to want to do it because they only come to my show once. Um. I have this amazing list. I have a very good list and my open rate is, is really excellent. However, people um, aren't going to come to see my show over and over. I mean, some people do, but for the most part, it's, oh, we've seen that show. What's next? So I decided I want to be the guy who helps them find all the great shows in DC. So every month I give out an email. Usually I feature somebody. Um, Mind Games is coming in. Uh, um uh, Vinny uh, Tapanto is doing a show uh, here in DC. So he was the highlight of my last email. Here's a link. If there's any discounts, here's a list of events in DC. And I get people who regularly will like email me, Hey, we went to see so-and-so show. It was fabulous. Thanks. We love your email. So, wow. and because of that, even though that doesn't directly make me money, because of that, I get a lot more word of mouth. I get a lot of, hey, my sister loves you. She gets your emails. She said I had to come see your show. Nice. That kind of thing. So, um, and because it's email, it's basically free, you know. So, right. That's yeah. awesome. We started a newsletter in 2008, and it's like, well, we don't have enough stuff to put in the newsletter. I right. do a five to eight page newsletter every month since 2008. Oh. And it, it just, but I mean, it's just, all right. So it's, we have a television show, we have a podcast. We have uh, the magic shows. We have, yeah. he's also a health coach now. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it goes. The shows we've done in the past month. Here's some highlights. Yeah. But it keeps you in the minds of everybody because everybody's already like, sure. are you still doing, how many times a month do you get it? Are you still doing that magic thing? <laughs> like, we've been doing right. it for years. Yes, we're still doing that magic thing. Magic. So <laughs> it keeps you in there. Their minds are like, oh, yeah, look at that. He really is still doing that magic thing. But every month I send out a newsletter, you get instant replies to that newsletter to book a show. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's awesome. Newsletters are the best. Yeah. I send, out, I, I send out one for school shows, one for the public show uh, every month. But luckily, they're rarely about me. They're yeah. always about things that I think give value to them. Um, there's a, I forget that. I'm going to say it wrong, but it was like Jab, Jab, Uppercut is a, a book by Grant Gary Vander Chuck, the famous marketing guy and the yeah, idea is yeah. you give you give value you give value you give value and then when you want something you're clear as day you you don't do the whole like oh this is good for you you should buy my thing because you know you're like hey guys do you know anyone who needs a corporate gig blah 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 and you just you're clear and because you've garnered enough goodwill from all these other emails they're willing to to read it and possibly take action Whereas if every month, and I know a lot of guys who do this, who have public shows, every month it's, hey, come to our show. Hey, guys, come to our show. Here's a photo of us with a different audience member. Come to our show. And it's just the same drum. And I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I imagine that every month their unsubscribe rate is bonkers, right? I mean, you can only hear that email so many times if you're like, yeah, okay. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you're, you're building a relationship instead of just spamming them with what you have. So you're giving right. them some fun things to, to yeah we're at. not telling them other shows to go to i mean no it would be weird for me to say you know hey natalie and i watched a movie last week and we really recommend you renting this movie but i see you're recommending the other things that makes sense well, that's more but there ought to be a call to action don't you change up your show what about next year is it going to be the same show probably I, i'm i'm a slow mover um I, I i went to this great lecture by matt king when i was a kid 
uh, it was one of those desert seminar things and he was the speaker and he, he said this really wonderful thing. He said, I don't know that much magic. I've been doing the same act since I was 18. Every month I get one or two new jokes, but that's 24 new jokes a year that times 10, you know, like it really builds up. I'm not as smart and as clever as guys like Michael Weber who can put out, you know, 50 amazing new things every year. I, I just, I'm not that clever. Uh, I, I'm the guy who just chases one thing and, and makes it good. I did that for the magic duel and that was really, that worked out well for me. I think I've got at least another year or two to work on this show and then, and then I'll probably work on my next show. Wow. So we, we had resorts and I didn't understand how timeshare worked. <laughs> I thought that 80% of my audience every year were return customers. Yeah. It's the opposite. They yeah. buy timeshare so they can go other places. Mm -hmm. So every year we put in 80% new show. My dove opening might be the same, but after that, it's a whole new show. Right. So I have all this material on accident <laughs> that we can pick and choose from to make new shows. Sure. And, um, you know, since the pandemic, we've put in one or two, three, four, yeah. five new things, yeah. but it's not an entire new show anymore. We'll rotate things when we get sick of something. Yeah. Like we're done with that one. We're sick of doing that one. Let's, let's, you know, what can we replace it with? Mm. Well, we had, you know, Larry Lippman from up in uh, DC. Sure do. Larry, Larry okay. Candor go and literally saw us do this 10 minutes before the show all right what are we doing give me a set list because we have so much material yeah just write it down i'll do it but we yeah. got to pick pull and we we drive with an rv pulling a trailer so we have all this material <laughs> if i need something that's not here i'll go out and get it so that's that's we wing it so every show kind of is different <laughs> so it sounds bad that we wing it but it's all stuff that we have rehearsed and know how to do it's not like it's like something brand new yeah, I try so, to tell yeah. people when I say that she gets worried, but it's like a, a singer just revamping their set list or their right. show. You yeah. know, it's not yeah. the same show every night they go see them. Right. Sometimes they do this first. Sometimes they've done something off an old hit that, that mm -hmm. hasn't been performed in three years. Yeah. 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 So are your kids interested in magic at all? How old are your kids? And do they have, have any a, um, at all? And uh, they're four, almost five and eight. And uh, not really. I mean, they like that I do magic shows at their school and that's about it. I think what I, I made the mistake when they were a kid, I used magic to get stuff away from them. Like they'd be trying to eat my Sharpie and I go, Oh look, it's gone. Ha <laughs> sorry. And so they mostly just got irritated by magic. Like daddy, bring it back, you know? So <laughs> um, I also, I'm trying not, I feel if I push them, they're going to do something terrible, like being an accountant or something to rebel. So I'm trying to let them figure out what it is that makes them happy. But uh I would be thrilled if they decide that they want to do magic uh, as they get older, but not, not really, not yet. No, no, no real interest. How about yours? No, no. Um, I, I buy magic collections. I have a, a magic uh, website where I sell magic now, as well as everything else I do. It keeps me in the loop. You know, when I did restaurants, I would learn new tricks every week because mm -hmm. I had those repeat customers. Yep. Now that I have that, I don't know the new stuff and I like to play with props and, it makes me think creatively to come up with new material. Yeah. But sometimes you end up with 12 things. I don't need 12 of it. Three might be enough, but not 12. So that's why I started that. But when I buy a new collection, my daughter's like, great, honey. You more, more magic you don't think. need. Right, He's great, like, why would we need it? It's, we do this for a living. It's what pays the bills, honey. Mm -hmm. But she is... I told her when I'm dead, it's all hers. And yeah. she's, that doesn't help her. <laughs> she's going to keep you alive. <laughs> yeah, she'll keep me on life support. That's right. <laughs> no, but she she does help out the show and do little bits. Nothing, nothing too crazy. How but old we've is always she? told her she's twelve. She just turned twelve. Oh, um, and you can get her to be on your stage at twelve. Oh, yeah. Well, we've told her, you know, that if she ever, because we take the whole family on the road. She doesn't yeah. have a choice. She's coming with us. So. You're either in the show with a smile on your face, or if you really start hating it and you come out looking grumpy, you're out. You're not yeah. going to be in the show. We don't want grumpy kids, but you're still backstage. Right. You might as well make the best of it and smile on stage. And, you know, right. she, but anyway, but she's, uh, she does like, she, I think she enjoys being on stage because she just started a, a musical theater class. So she wants mm -hmm. to do that kind of thing, you sure. know, but um, magic just isn't her. Go she's to. doing she's doing stuff that requires no skill. She's doing abracadabra right. while we're doing magic. Exactly. We have a we have a. She's not into practicing. 
So we just <laughs> give her easy stuff. Yeah. So, you know. What is it called? I'm blanking on the name of it. It's a Quran medallion. Oh, yeah. I do everything. She made the prediction. She opens up the prediction and shows it. Yeah. As right. she hands it to me, the magic happens. She gets, she all, gets, all, the credit, she gets all the credit and she stands there. And I brought this from home, Dad. Yeah. That's great. That's but right. she doesn't do anything. Right. So that's what kills me. I want her to step up, <laughs> but I also don't want to push her where she hates it. Right. Um, 400 shows a year is a lot. Uh, yeah. We also have a live-in babysitter. Because we have three-year-old twin boys. Oh, my so, God. Yeah, so we have the babysitter watch the boys during the show. Some venues, they just sit in the RV watching television the entire show. Yeah. And then Natalie will call them as we're at the last trick. And she'll put their jackets on them and run them in, rip their jackets off. They run out. They give us a hug. They take a bow. They run off stage to the babysitter. They go back in the RV and turn it back on. Right. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's all they can do. They are rambunctious three-year-old boys are so different from girls and it's just they're they're not uh they're not there yet to even do little something or another my little girl was on stage at two and a half our little boys are three and there's no way no doing it no yeah so (laughs) that's good for you that's dangerous i think of my four-year-old he couldn't sit he couldn't he couldn't sit and watch the same show every day i know it i mean he would just be he that's why we have the babysitter because they're not going to watch the show no wow, that's awesome our daughter did she would sit um she would sit and watch our show when she was that little she would sit it's just it's different with girls and and then with them there's also two of them so they feed off of each other so well he's up running around i was yeah. gonna be good but now i'm gonna run right exactly. <laughs> doing it why can't i so, i think the first time my daughter came to see my show i think she was three and a half or so and uh, after the show ends and everyone's applauding and people are coming up and, and talking to me, she comes running up to me and getting tells me, to, you know, asks me to pick her up. And she looks out at the, the other kids and goes, my daddy. <laughs> so it was such a great moment. She'll uh, she'll hate me telling that story forever, but I loved it. That's OK. You get to. You're her dad. You're allowed yeah. to a little bit every once in a while. I was doing, <laughs> I wrote a children's book years ago and we were doing a book signing on the downtown mall in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. And my little girl was just holding on to a pole and just rocking around it. And what was she saying? She said, yeah. the show's about to start. And she was just like, <laughs> about to start. I was it doing was close-up so magic cute. to try to get people over so I could pitch yeah. the book signing in front of the bookstore. We have that on video. Yes. And, so you know, cute. she it, she was two and a half, three years old. It was amazing. Yeah. We it's love so it. so cute. Couldn't yes. get her to do that today if I paid her at nope. 12 years old. <laughs> Absolutely not. Ugh. All right. So uh, we have just a couple minutes left. Uh, a good liar.com. Magic.com. Uh, what is what is your favorite thing you have in your show right now? Oh, you, man. Have you have one piece to choose that's your baby. Oh, it's whatever I'm working on, truthfully. I really like my ending, but uh, I have a Jenga bit. Oh, I don't want to tell because if anyone comes to the show, I have a great soulmate test. That's 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 the one I'll say. It's it's very sweet. And at the end, I pull the rug out and they realize how snarky I've been the entire time. It oh. feels like this really nice moment between the couple. And at the end, I just smush it as they're walking back to their seat. In in the best way, uh, in my opinion. I mean, uh, not in a not in a mean way, but it in a way where the audience go, "Oh, he actually is a not." Nope, he's still a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, it. Wow, that's that's my current favorite yeah. team, mostly because yeah. I've been working on it. You know. Yeah. She wants well, to go we'll see your show. To, yeah, we'll have to make it a date night for us to so come and see your show. Right, and yeah, and bring, hang bring out people. afterwards or something. Absolutely, that'd be great. Yeah. Do you have time to go out to dinner afterwards? No, I have to break down the show. So I I bring the sound, the lighting, uh, and everything. The the, the it is an up. But you're welcome to grab some food and come on up while I'm breaking down because it takes a while. But uh, I can't. Do you have other magicians helping you? I felt like somebody from Ring Fifty said they were your light guy. They were your. Oh, uh, yeah, Michael Taggart is is my is my guy. He's he's fabulous. He just yeah. he helps me get things done. But it's still even with the two of us, it takes about I don't know maybe an hour. Yeah. Uh, I don't have to pack everything up and then load the car and uh, I can't I can't leave the stuff in the room and just go for a couple hours and come back. Um, I don't think the the hotel would have locked me out by then. Yeah, so. gotcha. What but, about um, a storage room at the hotel? You know, we just got back from Mohican Sun. My buddy has my buddy has a, a a broom closet. Literally, he just he shows up, 
does his show, packs it all up, and just goes home just like this. You know, I asked them about that probably four years ago, and they said no at the time. But now that I have a good relationship with them and I'm running this festival for them and stuff, I should ask again. So the answer was no at first, but yeah. maybe, maybe I've maybe I've ingratiated myself enough that they'll find me a corner. I would be so happy if they just gave me a corner where I could leave stuff. If you could just get a uh, some kind of locker, yeah. you know, just an ATA stuff. case. Really? Yeah. really, you can get it lights and everything in an ATA oh. case. Well, I mean, I have to be more than one. Uh, yeah. So my light, I, I bring, uh, you know, like a tea stand that breaks down, you know, somewhat. Uh, yeah, it's I, I can get the whole show in on one of their carts from the hotel, okay. uh, just barely, um, but with no, but but it's it's tough, so. There's got to be somewhere down in the basement. Just let me put it there. I don't care. A room full of rats doesn't matter. Just let me find a place. <laughs> to leave There's no rats it. at our hotel, sir. There's no rats <laughs> at our hotel. That was a joke. That's what I mean. uh, <laughs> but yeah, any any place I would be thrilled if I could get that. That to me would make my my load in load out a million times more uh, doable. That'd so, be awesome. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna definitely check out your schedule and. Uh, come see you we want to yeah. go see it we we're doing date nights now we have the live-in babysitter we pay her to take care of the kids and it's just a three-hour drive for us that's nothing we're used to doing it here richmond no it's fine it's fine it'd be worth it tell her loved it we're gonna love it it'll be great no yeah. pressure uh brian curry magic.com a good liar.com if you're in the dc area look this dude up he's an awesome guy um i think that wraps up everything except for uh we'll, we'll see you next week. week all right bye guys Check us out online at wesisley.com and patreon.com forward slash Wes underscore Isley for behind the scenes videos, blooper videos, never before seen footage, discounts on merchandise, magic trick tutorials, and more. That's Wes Isley spelled W-E-S-I-S-E-L-I. -S -E